Good morning. How are you? Stand with me. We're going to worship God today. We're so glad you were able to make it to church today. We're going to have a great time praying for our kids and our families and our teachers. It's going to be an awesome time. Sing with us. If your heart was searching for, we were you and nothing more. Let your glory fill this place. We're alive in your presence. If your heart was searching for, we were you and nothing more. Let your glory
taught you this last week. Try it with us. Simply the Beatitudes. We talk about the blessings that God has and how they're for all of us. Try it with us. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. They will be
Sing with me. Oh. 
We're going to pray. You can have a seat. You can come to the altars. Man, isn't God good? When you think over the seasons of your life, how he's been with you faithfully, if you can recall those moments when you thought that all was lost, but he's been right there with you the whole time. I did want to take just a moment because we were singing some weird um, stuff at the beginning. <laughs> um, I try to put myself in the shoes of, of kids and teenagers and people um, who maybe aren't used to some churchy stuff. We were singing about all-consuming fire fall, fall on us. And that's weird, Right? Um, I hear that, and I'm like, um, okay, that lightning storm the other night, Lord, is that an answer to our prayer? I don't think so. We, we know, um, or some of us have learned this through the years, that, that fire is a symbol of God's presence with us. Sometimes we light candles. Sometimes we talk about uh, the fire from heaven, and really... We're talking about the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives when we use that kind of language. But I was reminded this morning, a couple of years ago, when um, the wildfires were so bad out in California, and, and many of you have family in California and you remember this. I have a friend who is a professor at Pepperdine, and she's a scientist, and she's super smart, lives not far, they had to evacuate their home because the fire was consuming everything. Do y'all remember? And she said, as the ground is being cleared by this fire, there are seeds in the earth that can't break open until they reach a certain temperature. And y'all, I see it in my own life, and, and I'm sure you see it in your own, where we want to protect ourselves so much. We don't want to surrender everything that we have to God, because that's scary, and that feels like we're going to lose everything. feels like nothing that we know is going to be what it was, and you're right. Oh, but there are seeds that can only break open and break through the ground and grow into something beautiful. That can't happen until the stuff is gone, until the stuff is surrendered, 
until our lives are laid bare before God to say, okay, do what you want to do, God. Do what you want to do. And that's what we were singing this morning. And so my question to you as we come into this time of prayer is, how are you protecting yourself? How are you maybe shielding yourself from the work that God wants to do in your life? What are the things that are standing in the way of that seed breaking open and growing? What are the attitudes in my heart, in your heart, and in our minds? Are we being selfish? Are we being... um, Are we fearful? And so my challenge to you this morning is to say with your whole heart, God, may this consuming fire fall all over my life so that what you want to grow in my life will grow. So we're going to take a moment and just breathe. And reflect, and then we'll pray, okay? Let's pray. God, you have proved over and over and over and over and over and over again that you are faithful. And we have seen your goodness in our lives if we pay attention. And God, we know that you are trustworthy. We know this in our in our minds most of the time. We we know that you are. And yet, Lord, there are things that we may be holding on to. There may be things that we're using as a shield, as protection, we think. Because we don't want to give you that one part. We don't want to trust you with uh, the things that we think we've got under control. So God, today... I pray that we will be open to your all-consuming fire that will clear away all of the stuff. And I pray, God, that we will be able to see something in our lives breaking open, something beautiful breaking open and breaking through the dirt and breaking through all of the stuff, all of the all of the damage even, all of the, the hardships, breaking through the things that look like destruction in our lives. Lord, that you are breaking through all of this with something beautiful. We don't want our lives to be smothered by the things of this world or with our fears or with anything. We don't want to be smothered by that. God, we we want to live our lives in ways 
that other people can see the beauty from ashes. So God, today we are going to step in faith and trust you. We're going to give you ourselves completely and we're going to say yes even before we know what that next step may be. Because we know all our lives you've been faithful. And you have been so, so good. And that you don't want to keep that goodness from us, but you're actually chasing after us. And so God, Help us to see the work that you're doing and help us to respond to you wholeheartedly, completely, no reservations to whatever it is that you would have us do. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen. It's not like it used to be when we were kids. The pressures, the expectations, the uncertainty. It seems like being young grows more difficult each year. And being a parent comes with an ever-increasing level of anxiety. God, as a new school year begins, we ask for your hand to rest on the shoulders of our children. May your presence be palpable, your wisdom accessible, and your glory undeniable. We pray you would guard their hearts, guide their steps, and keep them safe. As they walk the halls, may their eyes be fixed on you. When they're overwhelmed, grant them peace, and when they're uncertain, We want to take a moment, uh, we, we like doing this every year, we want to pray for our, um, our kids, our parents, and our teachers, not just um, in the community, but also at Bright Beginnings. And so um, we have Miss Susie here who has to get back to her church because she's the children's pastor at a different church. And so we need to, uh, I, I'm going to start with the teachers. So if you are a teacher, you're going to hate me, Lisa, if you are a teacher... Would you come up here and let us pray for you? If you're comfortable, you're comfortable. She's comfortable. I'm, I'm going to introduce, this is Lisa, and she's at Horizon, and you teach fourth, fourth grade. So when you drive past Horizon Elementary, I want you to pray for Lisa and those wonderful kids. Uh, they are wonderful. They are wonderful. And so we're going to pray. Oh, wait. 
Yeah, this feels a little bit weird. Angela, you're at Warner, right? And you're teaching kindergarten? First grade. All right, and then Susie, I'm going to let you introduce the whole team because you'll talk less than I do. So, hold on one second. The rest are teachers from Bright Beginnings, which is our preschool that's housed here, and Susie is our director. Yes, so um, just real quick, thank you, two thank yous. Thank you so much, all of you. I know that you prayed so mightily for my husband. He's doing so much better, and I know that... um, That is in large part to your prayers, and it certainly undergirded me during that time. Secondly, thank you so much for letting us use your amazing facility to do preschool ministry Monday through Friday. Um, Because of you, we not only get to teach uh, students in pre-K all the things they need to know before they go to kindergarten, but we get to um, help them to understand what a vital role they play in the greatest story of all time, the story of Jesus Christ and his never-ending, never-wavering love for them. So thank you so much uh, for allowing us to do that, for be willing, being willing to let us fill up your hallways with finger paint and lunch boxes and little feet every day. So thank you so much. All right, so this is our team. This is Miss Joy. She is our assistant director. She also teaches VPK. Um, and then Miss Elizabeth and Miss Tina are also in um, VBK. Miss Elizabeth and Tina work together. Joy works with Miss Natalie, who is in VBK. I'm just learning. We changed positions, so I'm still like trying to... Okay, Natalie is now in VBK with Miss Joy. Tina and Elizabeth in VBK. And then Miss Leah um, is, is moving up to be a lead teacher in our K2 class, and so we're super excited about that. And I am the program director. Thank you. All right. Do me a favor. Just, if you're comfortable, extend your hand up and let's pray for these wonderful teachers. God, I pray that you will be with each one of these wonderful teachers. And not only them, but all the other teachers as they head back into the classroom. God, we believe that you've put them there for a purpose. And they're not just there to impart curriculum, but they're there to shape lives. And so, Jesus, I pray that... Um, You will be with them. For some of them, it is very easy because of the situation that they're in to present the gospel and to be Jesus in a very real and audible way. For others, they're not quite that free. But I pray that your love and your light will shine through them when their words can't be used. Jesus, I pray that this year will be an amazing one. I pray that our teachers will grow um, in their in their professional knowledge, but I pray that they'll also grow in their souls. I pray that they will um, enter this year excited and leave this year thankful for all that you've done. We love you, Jesus, and we thank you for such amazing people to lead our children. Amen. Well, was anybody in here ever a kid before? I believe that. <laughs> we all know that how we, were, how we were raised has a huge part in how we are as adults and how we raise others. And so as our kids go back to school, we trust, just like our parents trusted us in the hands of others, we're trusting our kids. So I'm going to pray Uh, a a prayer of blessing over the kids, over just that God's omnipotent hand. I mean, that that guy, if you didn't know this, he he can do pretty much anything. That he would just guide those kids. Let's pray together. Father, I 
Oh man, I'm thankful for the children. Not just for my children, but just for children all over. And I want to pray for the kids here in our community, both at this school and in other private schools and in our public schools, that Lord, that you, that you would guide them in a way that only you can do. And that you wouldn't just guide us as we guide them, but you would protect them, both physically, emotionally, and spiritually. Lord, I, I'm sorry for who we are as a people that sometimes just don't follow your will. But Lord, protect our kids from the culture that we have helped develop, from our missteps, from our, our things that we aren't quite on track with you. But Lord, bring up a new generation of children and start this in the schools, Lord, that follow you and put you above everything so that this place will become like the place you want it to be, your kingdom, because of the children. Love them like kids have never been loved. And teach us to love them so that our next generation is exactly the generation that you've been waiting for. We praise you, Father, and we look forward to the wonderful things you're going to do in these amazing kids. We just love you. Amen. My turn. Okay, just so you know, kids who are with me, you get a gift today. Lucky you, but I wanted to read the blessing that I have for you all. You're getting this little fun, fun bag, and this is what it says. May you be sharp and attentive. There's a pencil sharpener in there. Be quick to forgive yourself, mm, big one, and others when mistakes happen. Erasers. So, I know. Be confident in yourself. You bring color to the world. Crayons. And then finally, be sweet. Come on. Be sweet and show the kindness of Jesus. And there's a Rice Krispie treat in there. Oh, my goodness. I mean, you come see me. I'm going to give you stuff. So that's also a blessing for the rest of us. You just don't get a bag. All right? Okay, so I'm looking around the room, and I see lots of parents. Um, parents of kids, parents of teenagers, parents of grown people. Um, if you are a parent, raise your hand. Mm. It's a lot of y'all. So I'm going to pray for you, not just parents of kids going back to school. Okay, let's pray. Lord Jesus, you have entrusted us with such a responsibility and a gift. And for some of us, our kids are little bitty babies, and for others... Our kids have kids and grandkids of their own. Lord, may we always remember that the ball is always in our court to show love and grace to our kids. May we not wait for them to reach out to us when they need us. Will you help us to take that first step? Will you help us to continue to parent our kids through all stages of their lives? May we continue to be a source of your love and your grace and your goodness, even when they make poor choices, even when we think that things are hopeless. 
Lord, may we be relentless in our pursuit of our kids for your glory. We love you. We love our kids. Lord, bless these parents. Give them the strength and the stamina and all of the school supplies. We trust you, God, that you are doing a work in our families. Will you continue to do that? We love you. Amen. So, this is the time when, and this is still an act of worship. We're in the whole worship service where we greet each other and we we do things a little differently than some. We pass the peace. And what we're saying when we do that is that we hope that everything is right with you and God. And we pray that everything is right with you and me. We pray that there's peace because what what we need now is a little bit more peace in this world, don't we? And so let me give you some directions and then we'll, we'll pass the peace. If you are an elementary kid, you're going to meet Miss Jen at that back door. If you have a preschool kid and you'd like them to go off and have their own lesson, you can meet Miss Joy at that door. And last but not least, we're in a series called The Lord's Prayer, and we've provided journals and pens for you because we want you to be able to take notes and write down questions and thoughts.
hey, we're going to keep going. I'm, I'm moving Jason along because he will talk for 40 minutes and take my sermon time. So, uh, Jason, you want me to do the announcements or you want to do them? Yeah, do them. It's hard. You end up talking to people. You're like, you're like, man, this is the best part of being alive. We got to. So we uh, we got our announcements. So as Pastor Garen has said, uh, he said, let's try five. Try five Sundays in a row. And it is good to be here together, right? It is good to be here together. Um, I, I don't I don't know if. Uh, Sorry if I'm taking this too far, but I want you to take it one step further than trying five Sundays. And I've been talking with a friend who's really struggling in life right now. We've ministered together overseas, spent a lot of time together, and he's really been struggling. And what we've come to is, well, if we need, if we're going to have peace, it's got to go beyond us just showing up on Sunday morning. Because Sunday morning is good, but is Sunday morning the pinnacle of our walk with Christ? And so I'm going to do another try five on top of this try five. And it is five intentional times of saying, God, I want to follow your commandments. And the reason I say that is Jesus pretty plainly lays out. He he actually says this a few times. If you love me, you'll follow my commandments. I was like, all right, I didn't murder anybody. I'm good. I didn't commit adultery. I'm good. No, no, not that kind of commandment. What is it that is God's true commandment? What does he really say? Someone comes to him once, remember? And he's like, what is the real commandment? What is it that gets me there? And he says, love God with everything you got. And also in the same breath, he said, love your neighbor as yourself. You cannot truly love God if you don't truly love your neighbor. Well, what does it mean to love your neighbor? Well, it's not a feeling. It's not emotional. You know, I'm thinking about someone in Iowa right now. Oh, really? I love them. Am I impacting their life? Well, God has set it up where our love is lived out through relationship. So here's the, 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 the five on top of the five. This week, as you are seeking out God's will, as you're saying, God, I want more. What does it mean to want more? I want you five times to intentionally Love your neighbor. Whoever that neighbor is, it's not your next door neighbor only. It is the people you meet in the world. Five times intentionally love them in a way that is not easy. That does not come natural. Sharing with someone that you just don't want to share with. Speaking love verbally to someone that is hard to speak that to. Forgiving in a way that you don't want to forgive. You want to know God better, follow his commandments. And so, try five weeks in a row, but try five intentional acts this week as you want to grow closer to him. And I promise, as you follow his commandments of loving those who need to be loved, something will will spark up. And you know what? I'm going to ask that someone who actually tries it this week will just share, hey, what happened? We need a serious spiritual movement in this city, especially in this area. Um, Ray led us on an adventure last night to a place called Recovery Church. Uh, you all know where North Street is in Ridgewood? How about the J Food store? Anybody hang out there? 
Well, there's a lot of guys that hang, a lot of guys hang out there during the daytime, if you know what I mean. Um, went to a, a new recovery church there at a sober house. And a lady said something that really, really struck me. I'm fairly new to the area. I've been here just over a year. And she said, people for years have called this Dirty Daytona. But she said, I've received a word time and time again that this is going to be called Miracle City. And it will take us following God's commandments to truly love our neighbors. The neighbors that, we, that helped us call it Dirty Daytona. But when we intentionally follow, follow his commandments, this will be called Miracle City someday. I get goosebumps thinking about how God wants to move in this area. And he wants to do it through us, through all those who claim him. So, five intentional acts of God's true love this week. On top of the five, try five. And I promise you something's going to happen. All right, next up, we've got our connect time. So if you want to connect to what's going on here at the church, we've got Facebook, we've got web pages. Uh, we have a, I think we're going to start a jug band. There's all kinds of great stuff, right? Wouldn't that be awesome? Uh, but if you want to connect, the key here is ponaz.church. So let's say you want to talk to Pastor Garen. And let me help you out here. G-E-R-R-O-N. It is not J-E-R-E-N, because that would be you writing an email to my three-year-old. That's Jaren. So, Pastor, it would be Garen at Ponaz.Church, Jason at Ponaz, uh, Jen, Tim. Anybody wants one? We'll make one for everybody, right? But that's a good way to connect. If you want to talk to somebody about it, we've got our Facebook here. You've got a webpage, all kinds of great stuff. All right. Well, thank you. I think that's it, right, Pastor? All right, so we're going to have our time of offering. I uh, already spent about 47 minutes talking about other stuff, so I quickly just want us to thank God for all he's provided for us. Thank him that we have what we have, and let him speak to us as we just offer up our lives to him. Father, we praise you. You are the great provider. I know I can trust you to fulfill the needs that we have. Uh, the guy who created everything from the first spark until the end, until we reach that eternal life on this journey. Father, we know you trust. We can trust you to provide everything that we need. And so on this journey, too, I pray that we are willing to offer up what it is that you ask of us, as we know it's just for our good on this journey. Mold us, make us, shape us to be more like you, as we seek you. We praise you, Father, in all things. Amen. what we need for today. Forgive us for what we've done. And help us to forgive those who have wronged us. And keep us from evil. Everything is yours, God. 
forever and ever. Well, hopefully uh, you've got your journals ready and we're going to take some notes and learn a little bit. Uh, We are in a series called The Lord's Prayer. And so um, write stuff down if you have questions, if something doesn't make sense, maybe If you really like something that's said, or if you like a quote, take a picture of it so you can write it down in your journal later. If you didn't get one yet, you're not going to bother me if you walk around and grab a pen and a journal right now. So feel free to go ahead. So, it has begun. Football season. Yeah? Are you all football fans? I'm talking American football. I know know we all have, you know... The European football. No, I'm talking like gridiron football. Who's your favorite team? Kansas City Chiefs. Did you say Green Bay? What? Green Bay? Oh, I did not expect that. My man Ken with the Denver Broncos. Um, That is the correct answer, by the way. Um, Detroit Lions. Oh, man. Do you have a favorite player? Mahomes, yeah, you got to admire a kid that young doing that great a job. Anyone else? Tom Brady. Tom Bra- Who said that? Did you say Tom Brady? Oh, he, I, I don't like him, but he may be the GOAT. I mean, uh, who? Aaron Rodgers? Yeah. yeah, Aaron. Okay, so I see that we're going for quarterbacks. All right. Nobody said, like, the defensive tackle is their favorite guy. All right. Well, I love football. I love the game, but I also love the game within the game. Because you know there's a game within the game, right? It's not just about the people that are on the field. It's also about the coaches. And it's about the strategies that they've come up with all week and how they implement it and how they get their teams to do what they need them to do, right? So there's the game, which is a lot of fun. And then there's the game within the game. And that's happening at the coaching level. And so you've got people like this which we won't spend much time on. I didn't know who to, who to put for y'all, so I, I also put that. He's still the UCF coach, right? And this is the Florida Gators because I didn't want to be biased. But we have coaches, and they're on the sidelines, and they're right there in the, in, the people's, in the players' faces, and they're telling them what to do, and they're telling them how they need to adjust, and they're telling them how to shift the line, and they're telling them this play, and I want you to run this next, and I want you to be sure that you're watching out for this, and be, keep an eye on number or whatever. And you've got the coaches that are right there in the middle of it. But you also have coaches in the press box, Right? We have coaches that are up above, and they're looking down, and and they're not just focusing on this play or that play. They're looking at trends. They're noticing, hey, I'm noticing that when the defense um, is doing this, they're lining up in this formation, and so maybe we need to try this to beat them. Or I'm, I'm noticing that the offense is doing all pass plays, so maybe we need to drop back or maybe whatever. We have coaches that are having a bird's eye view, and they're taking a look at the big picture. So you've got the coaches down here and you've got the coaches up here and they're both
quickly remind you. Um, actually, before we do that, um, why don't we say the Lord's Prayer? I think that's next. Let's say this together, this prayer that we're going to be studying, because we're only putting up the section that we're working on, and so let's get the big picture. So would you pray this prayer with me? Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. So we talked about this this father that we have. And if you'll recall, last week we talked about how well, what are some characteristics of a father? A father is approachable. A father is, is trustworthy. A, a father provides for the needs of the children. A father is kind. A father is loving. And that's the kind of father that God is to God's children. And we talked about how now we may not all have that experience with our earthly fathers, But our Heavenly Father has said, this is who I am. So we talked about Father, and then we talked about our. And we talked about that powerful word, what it means for God to be our Father, God. It means we belong to God. We are His. We are His because He is our Father. And if He's your Father and He's my Father, it means that we are brothers and sisters in Christ, aren't we? We're family. It means that we're called to build a community together and that we're called to have unity with each other. It doesn't mean uniformity. It means unity. It means that we're a global family. It means that everywhere in the world where God's, everywhere in the galaxy, the universe, where God's name is proclaimed, they are our brother or sister. We are family. That is what it means for us to have this statement, our Father. It means God is for everyone. So we have our Father, and now we're getting to in heaven, or which art in heaven. The rest of the phrase adds a different connotation than the first part of the phrase. See, Jesus taught his disciples to pray not just to this loving, caring Father, but this Father in heaven who is the creator of all things. And I wonder how often we forget about that. I wonder how quickly the majesty and greatness of God slips our mind because we're very happy with God being this comfortable relationship that we have. Isaiah puts it this way. This is what the Lord says. The heaven is my throne and the earth is my footstool. You want to talk about the majesty of a God. The earth is God's footstool. Could you build me a temple as good as that? Could you build me such a resting place? My hands have made both heaven and earth. They and everything in them are mine. So when we pray to God, our Father in heaven, 
we can't forget that we're praying to the creator of all things. The God who is larger than our expanding universe. The God who is also within the smallest subatomic particle. There is not a place where we cannot find this God. And this God longs to be our Father. This God who is in heaven. This God who is bigger than and yet also closer to. This is the kind of God that we serve. This God who is above heaven and earth because God made it all. David puts it this way. David, the greatest king in Israel. Joyful are those who have God, the God of Israel, as their helper, whose hope is in the Lord their God. He made the heaven and earth, the sea, and everything in them. He keeps every promise forever. He gives justice to the oppressed and food to the hungry. The Lord frees the prisoners. The Lord opens the eyes of the blind. The Lord lifts up those who are weighed down. The Lord loves the godly. The Lord protects the foreigners among us. He cares for the orphans and the widows, but he frustrates the plans of the wicked. That's found in Psalm 146, but it's also found in Luke 4 where Jesus opens up the scroll of Isaiah. So you can go to Luke 4 and read what Jesus says about it, and then you can go back to Isaiah, I think it's 61, and read what Isaiah says about it. But this God of all creations cares for the orphan, opens the eyes of the blind, heals those that are sick. God created everything. So when we pray to God the Father, we're praying to the living God who is maker of the heavens and the earth, but also the God who loves us and wants to call us children and wants us to call him Father. Now, every analogy has a point where it breaks down. So we can only take this so far. But as I was thinking about this, Big picture, small picture. I kept thinking about the coaching staff of a football team. You got the offensive coach, the defensive coach, you've got the head coach, you've got Wanting to be part of every aspect of your life. This God that wants you to surrender every component of yourself. This God who wants to be involved in every decision that you make. This God who wants to be near and close to you. But we also have this God who is bigger than. We have this God who is other than. We have this God who is always creating something new, this God who is always bigger, this God who is always carrying out the larger narrative of the story of God, and you are part of it, but God is wanting to connect with you, but there is this over, overlying narrative of God's redeeming love for humanity that God is looking at. You have the big and powerful You've got the close and personal. 
And it's the same God. And, and we have to kind of understand that these two dynamics that seem to be on opposite ends, the big, the small, the distance, the distant, the close, it's really important for us to understand how these two things work together if we're going to get past the first phrase of the prayer. So when we, when we say our Father, what we're really saying is, this phrase is stressing the community, the community that we have with each other. When we talk about Father, we're talking about this relationship. So we're supposed to be, it's what we just did. We passed peace, peace with God, peace with each other. Our Father. And in heaven, stresses the authority of God. The big, the small, it's all under God's domain. There is nothing that will happen globally. There is nothing that will happen personally that God is not over. And that God does not want to be actively involved within you and your situation. Do you understand how crazy that is? Think about any other God that you can think of. And the purpose was always you sacrifice for the God who is distant and uncaring. You do the work. God is there. And if you don't do the work, God is done with you. I can't think of another religion that has a God like ours that says, I want to come alongside you. I want to be invested in you. I don't want this distance. This distance is for other gods that have no voice and have no power. I want to be intimate with you. I want to know you. I want to help you. I want to guide you. I want to direct you. I want to be part of everything that you're going through so that you know that you're never alone. You always have me with you. Not only do I want that, but I want you to understand that there's a whole community. I want that for everybody. I want that relationship for each person in this world. The baby that hasn't been born, the convict on death row, the person in the other country, my enemy, my friend, my neighbor, my boss. I want everyone to have this relationship. Or maybe you have this, um, this type of God, this image of God, almost like a Renaissance painting where God is angry and God is powerful and God is there to destroy you and there's going to be fire everywhere and, and this is going to be horrible and there's judgment and destruction. The truth is, that neither is correct and both is correct to an extent. 
until we understand that we have a God that loves us recklessly, relentlessly, passionately, overwhelmingly, any other adverb that you can think of, that's how our God loves us and wants to be close to us. But we also serve a God who is in the heavens. We serve a God who does have all authority. We do serve a God who has said that there are things that will happen for those who do not choose this relationship with me. There's got to be a both end. It can't be an either or. So if we're going to get much farther in the prayer, we have to understand that there's a both end in this situation and God wants to have both end in your life. You with me? We can't go to either extreme too much. So there's a book that I've been reading, Living the Lord's Prayer, Doctors Weigel and Freeborn. They um, have taught at the Nazarene Seminary in Kansas City forever, and, and they wrote a book on the Lord's Prayer, and they had this to say. During some eras, the emphasis upon the sovereignty and transcendence of God seemed to remove him from interaction in his human family. Overstress on God's sovereignty leads to paralyzed paranoia. Have you ever felt like, I'm all alone, it's all me, no one's here to help me, I mean, God's so far away, God is distant, how could he ever help me? And you get this almost paranoia. Because you don't feel like God is anywhere to be seen. And I get it. And one of the solutions I have is I turn off the news. Because, man, depending on which channel I go to, it doesn't matter which, which slant you skew toward. Gloom and doom sells. And that's what everyone preaches. And it's easy to, it's easy to feel like we have this God that's somewhere, this laissez-faire, they're going to do what they're going to do. I'm just going to leave them alone and we'll just see what happens. God's out to get me. There's the other side. They continue. In time, the pendulum swings to the other direction and humans begin to assume a relationship of intimacy and even manipulation with reference to God. Ouch. Their prayers no longer reflect the mystery and awe. And they address God in more human terms. And their flippant familiarity borders on disrespect. Have you, have you ever been around someone and they're so casual with the God of the universe that you almost feel uncomfortable? It's like you've lost the awe and the mystery that this is the same God that could count every drop of blood in your body. This is the same God that knows how many comments are circling around wherever they're circling in the known everything. This is the same God. And we treat this like just some casual relationship. We treat it like, hey, Jason, want to play disc golf sometime this week? In the same way we go, hey, God, maybe sometime this week I'll meet with you and read your word. Or maybe sometime this, like, it's so casual. And we lose the awe and the mystery of God. So how do we approach a God who is both personal and a God who is divine? Well, we do it by remembering who God is and remembering all that God is. William Barclay put it like this. When you pray, 
Remember that God is your Father and your King. And that therefore you can go to the one in whom love and power are equally combined. We go to the same God who is able to handle both things. N.T. Wright, um, theologian, puts it this way. The Lord's Prayer is designed to help us make this change. Change of priority. Not necessarily even a change of content in our prayer. But it's a different priority. We see things differently because we understand that God is our Father and that God is this omnipotent, omnipresent, all-powerful God. This prayer doesn't pretend that pain and hunger aren't real. Some religions say that. Jesus didn't. This prayer doesn't use the greatness and majesty of God to belittle human plight. Some religions do that. Jesus didn't. This prayer starts by addressing God intimately and lovingly as Father and by bowing before His greatness and His majesty. If you can hold these two together, you're already on the way to understanding what Christianity is all about. So let's bring it home. Our time's almost up. We're loved by this God who longs to be our Father, but who also is the Lord of all creation. And as we think about these two things that sound like polar opposites, that God is, is close, God is our Father, God is far away, God is in heaven, God is... How can God be both? And my first initial answer is I don't have a clue. If I could figure that out, if I could figure out how a God could be that way, then that God probably isn't worth following. And I think that there's something to understanding that there's a mystery to this gospel message and we don't always understand it. We may never understand it this side of glory and we may not even understand it on the other side, but that's okay. There's this mystery to how God can be so up close and personal and yet so concerned with also the big picture. I guess my, the second way I would answer how is that possible is simply because God said it. I don't have a better solution than that. God said it. Jesus, the Word of God, part of the Trinity that was with God from the beginning, came near. Emmanuel, God with us. We talk about that a lot at Christmas, but God is always with us because Emmanuel, God with us. I believe Jesus came to earth, that Jesus lived a blameless life, that Jesus was crucified, dead, buried, that on the third day God raised him from the dead, and that he ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of God the Father Almighty, from whence he will come to judge the living and the dead. That's the heaven part. But I also believe that God sent this Holy Spirit to live in your life, to live in my life, so that we have not only this big picture God who is coming back again, but we also have this already with us God through the power of the Holy Spirit who lives inside you and lives inside me. If we will just access and listen to this spirit who lives in us. God is still near. If God is in his temple, and scripture says that you are God's temple, so if God is in you, God is very near. I think this is the last quote. To proclaim that God... To proclaim God as the God who is near, as Jesus did, is to put an end to the idea of heaven as God's distant dwelling.
walk is holy ground. Any person you come in contact with is divine appointment. Any person that you minister to with, in Jesus' name, that is a miracle. God is still near. God in heaven can be found if you are following the will of God. So let me ask you, last week we ended with a couple of questions. You want, may want to write one down or snap a picture. Let me ask you a couple of questions to think about this week. Do I think of God as just an all-powerful deity that's somewhere in heaven and unconcerned with my daily life? And that's, there are some of us that do that. They only think about God about 9.45 at Sunday morning. It's like, oh, we should probably go to church. But then they spend the rest of their work day and their family life and their, their pleasure activities and everything else as if God doesn't exist. How is this negatively impacting God's desire to be a personal presence in your life? Second question. Have I been treating my relationship with God a little too casually? Could this be negatively impacting my understanding of God's overwhelming ability to be a powerful presence in my life? I am convinced that we do not tap into the resource of God as our Father nearly as much as we should. That we just say life is life and we'll grin and bear it until we get to the other, other side of glory. But we serve a God who is all-powerful and is with us even now. And so when we pray, if it's in alignment with God's will, miracles still happen. Mountains still move. Things still happen. Are you so familiar with God and so casual with God that you have forgot to ask and pray outrageously? Have we forgotten that he's able to do exceedingly abundantly more than we could ever think or imagine according to his riches in heaven? Third question, we're almost done. If heaven is where God lives and God lives in me through the Holy Spirit, this is the if-then question, then do I understand that my calling is to walk and talk and breathe heaven into this world by the way I live? and connect with others that need a glimpse of heaven in their chaos. You may be the only Jesus that some people see. You may be the only heaven that enters into some person's life. Do you understand how important you are? You are much more important than I am this 20, 30 minutes. Because you have hundreds of contacts of people that need to know Jesus. I can't meet all of them. I can't help all of them.
What will transform your life forever if God does something today in you? What is it? Can I challenge you to pray for it? To ask God for it? Now, just to be clear, I'm not saying, God, I need a new Ford Bronco. I'm going to start praying for it. Although, if anyone wants to bless me with that, bring it. I'm saying, God, my life is chaotic. I need your peace. God, I feel so alone. I need your presence. God, I feel like I'm such an angry person. I need your calming trust. What do you need that God wants to give you? Remember we talked about in Matthew um, 5, I think it's 6, when we talked about the Tamion, the store closet. The Son has already taken inventory of what you need and has provided for it in your Tamion, in your prayer closet. All we need to do is enter into our prayer closet and ask God, and it is already waiting for us. So what do you need today? Jesus, series like these are weird because it feels more like teaching a lecture than preaching a message. But I pray that your spirit is working in people's hearts. I pray that Today, each one of us heard something, whether it's in something in the sermon, something that Pastor Jason has said or Pastor Jenna said, whether it's in something that happened during the connection time when we passed the peace, or a phrase in a song that just won't leave their mind. Jesus, at the end of the day, what we need is an encounter with you. And I don't even pray for your spirit to be here anymore because your spirit is already here. The question is, have we brought our heart and mind and spirit into your presence? I pray that that's been the case. I pray that you will begin to shape shape us and mold us into people that are able to understand that we serve a father who loves us and is intimately related. And yet, we also serve a God who is more than dot, dot, dot. Help us to live in the tension between the two because we need, we need you in different ways every day. Help us to grow in our faith. Jesus, I love um, this idea of five encounters this week. God, what would happen if these five encounters are us bringing your heaven into chaotic lives this week? May it be so. We pray this in the name of Jesus, the one who died for us. We pray this in your name, Father, because you had the power to raise Christ from the dead. And we pray this, Holy Spirit, through your
reality. And last night, this man who had been found guilty, been sentenced, been imprisoned, but then had been set free, not just from a correctional facility, but from the burden of sin, had found real life in Jesus. He shared the body and blood of Christ with us last night. And you could tell it meant something very, very special to him as he knew what it was to be bound to be free. To be on the, the road to death where the wages of sin are death and then to find real life. So today, as we share together, I want you to really take it to heart as Jesus says, I have come to bring you life, eternal life, all the burdens you'll be set free from, starting here today, starting the moment that you embrace Jesus. Life takes a turn. So we celebrate together, and I love the word communion in English as I cannot separate it from the word community. So let's together, in unity, in our community, share this time together. Pastor Garen, has it been like usual time here? All right. Well, let's pray and uh, come up and be served. Uh, I'll tell you, there forward two lines and we will serve you and then we will eat and drink together.
forgiven. And with his disciples, he took that, uh, that juice, that wine, and said, This is my, bo- my blood shed for you. And this blood atones for everything that's ever gone on in your life. You can be set free. Let's drink in remembrance of him. We praise you, Father, for your love that surpasses everything we could ever imagine. We praise you. Amen. Amen. Would you stand with me? We've gone a little long, but it's because we spent a lot of time praying in the middle, and so I don't want to apologize for that, because that was important. Uh, But if you're visiting with us, we'd love to have you come back, maybe uh, join us for a more typical service. And uh, we sing our benediction here, and so um, you may know this song, you may not, but if you do, sing along with us, and if not, just receive this benediction. Oop, do we have the words? Oh, mine's dead, so I'll do this. Here, sing with me. We sing hallelujah, let your kingdom come in our hearts, in our homes. Let your will be done as we go in your name. We shout and we proclaim, let your will be done in us. Have a great week.